Janae Mihal, your host. While everyone has dealt with their own battles throughout the pandemic, shop owners have had to balance keeping their workers and consumers safe. Finding ways of doing that meant changing the ways that things have been working for years. In this episode, I talk with Rich Rogers of Scardello Cheese in Dallas, Texas, about how he managed to keep the lights on while doing his best to support his hardworking employees. It can be a delicate balance anywhere, but Texas has its own hurdles to manage. Listen in as Rich explains it all. My name is Rich Rogers, and I am the owner of Scardello Artisan Cheese in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we have two locations, and we've been open for almost 13 years now. And uh, that is, I got my start in cheese by taking a master's class uh, in New York uh, with Daphne and Max, and uh, led me to knowing that I needed to do this. And so that is why I'm here. Wow, that's quite the pedigree. If you're learning from Daphne and Max, and well, it was it was it was only a two and a half day course, so I didn't learn at all. But <laughs> they gave, but but I also I you know Daphne's was one of those people where if you were talking to her for two seconds and you weren't getting excited about cheese, there was definitely something wrong. Yeah, I only had the opportunity of meeting Daphne once when I came up to Seattle before we moved here, um, to go to the Seattle cheese festival. And she was in one of the shops that was right by, um, space needle. And I just happened to walk in and she was in there. And I like, my husband didn't know what was going on. Cause he had no idea who she was. And I was kind of like, Oh my gosh, that's Daphne. And we actually had a moment to chat and it was just like, now I still hold that so dear to me because I did get at least one experience with her and it was memorable for sure. Well, she, uh, she had a way of making you feel special and important, um, whether she knew you really well, or she, you know, knew you just momentarily. And that's what I, every time I didn't, not, I, not like we were best friends, but it was um, the times that I did get to spend talking to her, uh, very influential on me. And yeah, she was amazing. Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's talk about this last year and a half. Um, so can you kind of give me a rundown of what happened right as like COVID started obviously showing its full face? Um, what happened with Scardello? What was going on in Texas? Just kind of give me a rundown of that. Sure. So when everything started, um, my daughters and wife and I were on spring break. We were, we, we had rented a little house uh, in South Texas, and um, we had been there for less than 24 hours, and everything started getting shut down. And so, rather than having a vacation, we spent the entire uh, few days like working on what are we going to do, uh, both with her, uh, stuff and with with mine. And so, uh, it was just really starting to s- scramble and kind of figure out um, where to go from here. And one of the big things for our shop has always been the classes that we do. Uh, That is a huge reason why we're still here. And so we, of course, had, I don't know, a month and a half worth of sold out classes uh, that we immediately canceled. And we, and I remember writing the email 
and trying to find a way to very nicely say, we're a really small business and it would be great if you used this towards a future class or something else versus us back our money because it was a lot of money to have to give back in that little window. And I will say to the credit of uh, the folks who take classes with us, almost all of them were like, we'll use it for another class or we'll use it down the road. Um, most people were extremely understanding and that uh, helped a lot. Uh, so Texas is definitely in a world of its own. Um, how long did Texas shut down really? Like, did you guys close your doors at all? Were you open throughout the entire time? So we, um, we shut our doors to the public um, pretty quickly um, and went to curbside only. We also, um, within a week, uh, went, had our first virtual class um, and that was a huge success. And so, and we, we are still doing virtual class uh, as we speak. We, we had planned to move to in-person classes uh, in a couple of weeks. And obviously that's currently out the window, uh, but we uh, didn't start allowing people back into the shop until November of last year. And that was just in small groups. And then we didn't stop asking until mid-June of this year until everybody on our staff was who wanted to get vaccinated could get fully vaxxed. And so that was, from the very beginning, my thing was, I want to make sure that everybody that works here is safe and doesn't get sick. And the second thing is, is I want to make sure that we can sustain our business to keep everybody who's here employed. And so we started doing things that we never did before and hopefully never will do again, like delivering all over the place. And, you know, so some of our mongers became delivery drivers overnight and started driving, you know, cheese uh, plates to go and trays and uh, cheese kits all over town. Um, some people just became uh, production where they were just making plates for class for four hours. Uh, straight. So we just, uh, we just really had to kind of change what we were doing and how we were doing it. But those were the two goals. And I'm happy to say that uh, every, we were able to keep everybody on the entire time. Um, and we also, uh, there wasn't, we had one staff member who uh, got sick right when he started, but it was, he got it outside of the shop and nobody else was exposed. And so, um, you know, we were able to to accomplish both those goals, which I'm very, very proud of. That is quite an accomplishment over the last year and a half, because it's been a rough one. Um, so you started doing curbside delivery um, and then the virtual classes. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I have seen y'all's Facebook lives on numerous occasions. Uh, so how often are you doing them? How are you executing those? Yeah, so we do um, one or two classes a week. Um, and so basically we put together plates uh, right when we have all the individual plates wrapped up with accompaniments, um, sliced baguettes wrapped up on top, a little menu, and then people call uh, to come pick up. We are happy to take it out to their car. These days they can come in the shop, so they'll walk in and pick up. Uh, we also have option pairings where they can pick a white or a bottle of red or both, and those get put in the bag. And then um, we made the decision early on just to stay on Facebook Live versus doing 
you know, private, you know, Zoom links for everybody. Our corporate classes, we do private, you know, Zoom or whatever they want to do. But uh, for the public, we decided to stay on Facebook Live because we wanted people to be able to watch it, whether they were taking class or not. Um, and hopefully, it, then there were a bunch of people that saw it and then decided, hey, I, I would like to do that. So they would buy class the next week or a week after or whatever. So that was great. And then it was also nice because there are cheese people like you and a bunch of other cheese friends of mine around the country who would occasionally like text me and say, hey, I tuned in last night. I really liked this or whatever. And that was just fun. Just another way to connect in a time where it seemed like it was impossible to connect. So that's one of the reasons we wanted just to stay on that public platform and keep it open. I love that you stayed on Facebook Live because I was able to pop in every now and again and put in a little comment of of love for you guys. And that's just really fun. And it's also it I do find that it was an easy way to connect. Like between you and the Antonellis, it was always kind of fun to see, like, okay, well, who's on who's live right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So something I didn't realize and um your tv and film background or let, i want to talk about that and how that uh helped transition into what you're doing with the virtual classes yes yeah, so prior to cheese i spent 15 years in uh film and video production and uh, my my role was primarily as a post-production supervisor and editor uh also did some directing and producing and most of that was corporate stuff uh, the occasional music video or tv spot um, but, uh, I left that to, to get into cheese because I've always loved food and cooking. And, and after I took that class in New York, I was just like, I, I have to do this. Like it just, it was, um, this, this force that was just pulling me in. I couldn't escape. Um, and, and it was the best decision I ever made. I, I have made so many friends and, and, uh, great connections in the world of cheese. And I just, I love it. Love the people and cheese and the product everything about it. Um, but that, um, you know, being on the film side of things and understanding how microphones work and cameras work and, and, uh, how to make different connections and how to edit things. I never thought I was going to have to use that again. And then this happened and here we are, we're scrambling to try to figure out how to put a, an hour long class online. Um, and so, uh, that's when I was able to rely on those skills. Um, it helped me make good, solid purchases on equipment that we still use today and that we plan to continue to use into the future. And, um, and I think it helped us put together a good looking, good sounding product for people to tune into because there's a point when, you know, if it doesn't sound or look good, people are just going to tune out. And so, um, so that definitely helped. And our plan going forward is to once we're doing in-person classes is to also offer, there'll be hybrid classes. We'll still be broadcasting them because we have people that live outside of sort of the radius of the shop that love to take class with us, uh, but they would never or rarely have time to take a person, you know, in-person class. And so, you know, they love this option. Well, and the accessibility key, the accessibility part of it is also key too. a lot of people just have the ability to join these classes where they never could before, like say just physically, they couldn't actually get to the shop. So now they can figure out how to watch on live. Um, I will say I do love 
when I know that you guys are about to go on live and seeing your Scardellos stand by, like <laughs> you definitely did, um, you know, the marketing just right on that. And I think that that's key. Um, so yeah, just having that background probably set you up for <laughs> success with all of this, where the rest of us were kind of learning on the fly of how do we use all of this technology to do the things that we want to do? Um, well, it, it, it gave us the ability to jump into it quickly, which was really important uh, because, you know, the, the two biggest months of um, virtual class sales were actually April and May of 2020. Those were our biggest months. And if it had taken us two months to get ready, we would have missed out on all of that. And it had been a different story as far as the trajectory of our business and sort of what we were able to accomplish last year. So um, yeah, I'm really grateful we were able to get in quick. And then uh, the other thing I'll mention is um, my two lovely daughters wrote and sang our theme song for our class. So that was nice to have them involved. Oh, that's a family affair. That's right. love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've both been mongers behind the counter at one point or another. So it's nice to have them doing something else. Well, cheese people love child labor. So, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> they and got paid. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that 100% a joke, but most, most cheese kids, I feel like end up behind oh, yeah. the counter at least sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's interesting that, you know, April and May were the busiest because you would think that the holidays would be the big time. Well, our, I mean, our, our sales during the holidays were, of course, still our biggest sales because of gift boxes. I and mean, we did a ton more of those uh, just because of people not being able to travel and wanting to send stuff. But uh, for the classes, like we were we were selling out and beyond almost every class in those two months. It was really uh, crazy. And it was really hard to, um, I think one of the biggest challenges is it felt like every two weeks we were reinventing how we were doing business and, and trying to learn from, you know, mistakes. And, and, um, so it was, uh, I personally, it was probably the hardest, you know, six months I've ever had in business just because it was just seemed like we were doing something different every couple of weeks. So. Yeah. That, things changed so rapidly at that point. And that's probably why people were so into it in April and May, because it was kind of a comforting, easy thing to be like, I can just be at home and get to eat delicious cheese with professional people. And yeah. yeah. So once the doors were opened back up and when did you say that was again? Sorry. Uh, we opened back up uh, to limited shoppers in November. Okay. Um, how were you how did you connect with your consumers? Were you doing any kind of sampling at all at that time? Or are you just going by verbiage and hoping that they trust you? So I will say that one of the benefits of being um, in business for over a decade is that um, when you say, hey, we know about cheese and we're happy to tell you what's tasting great, uh, people are a lot more likely to trust you, even though they can't taste it. So we didn't, when we opened the doors in November, there was no sampling. Everybody was wearing a mask and, you know, because the problem with sampling is you got to take your mask off and then that's, and that's a whole nother thing. And so um, we knew we had to be really firm with that. Otherwise it would lead to complete chaos. So um, it really was, for some of our mongers, they excelled with that. I mean, they, they I think overall 
everybody loved being able to have people come in the shop and interact with them face-to-face versus over the phone. Um, You know, six, eight months of just being on the phone with people was driving some people pretty crazy. Um, I'm not going to say that I was one of them. Maybe I was, uh, but the um, having that face-to-face interaction again was really key um, and really lifted everybody's spirits. And what we found was, is you, sure, it's nice for people to taste, but um, you're a really good monger when you can tell about a cheese and they're like, wow, I totally want to take that home with me right now. And, and so I really think that it made our, everybody on our staff better at their job because they couldn't, you know, it's just, it's great to be able to give someone a taste and watch their eyes light up. It's one of my favorite things as a monger. I love that, but, um, you know, it's, it's the easy route. The hard hard route is to not be able to do it and still be able to get them excited about that wedge. Absolutely. Uh, were you guys playing any sort of word games and like (laughs) trying to work out new adjectives or anything, or just, uh, kind of doing it on the fly? I think it was really just on the fly. We, 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 um, you know, I think at that point, I don't know, every, every step of this whole process over the last, uh, year and a half, I think for me, one of the most important things was just learning how to touch base on a very consistent basis with everybody and staff to figure out like how they're doing and kind of, you know, just because it's been such a difficult and emotional time for everybody in a lot of different ways. Um, So we really, I I think I spent more time focusing on people's mental health uh, than I did on, you know, how well they were able to, you know, come up with new, new verbiage. Not that that's not important, but they were doing a good job of it. I didn't feel like they needed uh, me, uh, micromanaging that piece you know I, I think I think they were just happy that I was there to listen and, and wanted to make sure they were doing okay yeah that's definitely something that I think that a lot of um, managers might have been lacking in this last year just because it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of oh, I have to do all these things and pivot and everything's changing Um, so I commend you for taking care of your employees. Um, how are you taking care of yourself through all of that? (laughs) Well, I, so to take care of myself, I think, so one of the best parts about, um, that time was the fact that, uh, I was still leaving the house five days a week, uh, to go up to the shop, sometimes more, um, to spend time with, uh, our staff and kind of and do all the work to keep things going. Uh, but I had the ability to be out of the house. I wasn't looking at the same four walls every day. And that interaction with everybody on staff was just, it, it, it definitely helped me get through the last year and a half because it was quality human contact with people that I care a lot about. And so that was good. Uh, the, only, the only weird part was uh, Marco, who's my teaching partner, we had to make a pact early on because we were going to be teaching without masks next to each other. You know, we had to basically just say, listen, we are both going to be the two most careful people in the world. Um, and, the, and our loved ones who we live with are also going to have to be confined to that so that we can make sure that we're protecting each other because 
uh, we're gonna we're in the same boat when we sit down for class to, and take those masks off. So um, that's an intense relationship. <laughs> that's like a whole nother marriage. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely it definitely uh, yeah the 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 vows there felt pretty intense. <laughs> I mean, with the amount of people that I know that uh, had the make it or break it year with their <laughs> their actual partners, you know, um, that would probably be <laughs> it's a good thing you guys made it through because you're still <laughs> still still teaching today. So it's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you do any sort of like e-commerce? Did you go online? I know you said that the phone was kind of a, a burden to a certain extent, but did you do any sort of like online ordering? Uh, we, so we didn't change up our, we didn't put our cheese stock online. And part of that was, um, well, the, the e-commerce platform we use, uh, the inventory function between the shop and what you sell online, it doesn't, well, it doesn't sell fractionally, which is a problem with cheese. So we would have to have two completely sets, different sets of inventory and it was just a mess. So we, while we did change literally everything that we do at the shop over the last year from our point of sale to our website, I mean, literally everything, uh, we didn't put... Um, wedges of cheese online. I, I question whether or not that was a good decision or not, but that's the decision we made. So, um, I mean, you're still here. We shop the shop's still open. So couldn't have been the worst decision you made. It No, I just, uh, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily a bad decision, but I don't know. It might've been a good decision to put, put everything online. It just, the complexity on the back half, I felt was going to be difficult for uh, staff. So we, we kind of stuck with phone orders. And, you know, the, the good news is, is that uh, everybody's phone skills got way better. Uh, <laughs> everybody started smiling a lot more on the phone the way they're supposed to. Um, and, you know, I think our, our guests got used to ordering on the phone and, you know, they had their favorite mongers that they wanted to talk to. And, you know, so it, it ended up being just fine. Oh, that's cute. I just am imagining people calling and being like, I want to talk to Lance because, you know, that would be me, but <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, they, they, it is fun, but they're, the, the problem is when that person's not there and they're like, well, when are they going to be back? And it's like, no, there's, I promise that there's somebody else here that can help. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be that picky. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, but that's because you and I both know we need our cheese. We have to, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to wait for Lance to get the cheese. I, <laughs> I just need it. So exactly. <laughs> um, so you said that you changed your point of sale and your website. You did a lot of updating just across the board. Can you talk yeah, about so, that? Yeah. So we, uh, we, we had the same point of sale for 12 years. And so making the switch, uh, to that was a big deal. At the same time, we switched our e-commerce platform. So, cause all of our classes are sold online. So we switched that over. We redid the website um, to, to dovetail with that. Uh, we changed up our, you know, our cheese trays are a huge part of our business. And even though it's a pandemic and people aren't supposed to get together, we still sold trays. And there was a weird kind of thing where I'm like, should we be doing this? But it's business, so we did. Um, I mean, two people can enjoy a big tray. Who knows? Um, 
but we completely revamped those. We, our last project that we did was we completely revamped our gift boxes for the fall um, and uh, have uh, compostable liners and all sorts and their printed boxes. They're gonna be really cool, I'm excited about it. Uh, but literally, and then of course the classes themselves, that was one of the biggest adjustments we made. Uh, because the format for our old classes when people got together is we would talk for a couple minutes, people would socialize, have fun, and then we'd interrupt them and talk for a couple more minutes, then they'd get back to socializing versus, you know, now the way our classes work is we talk for an hour um, and ask, uh, you know, answer questions a couple times. So it's a, it took a lot more study on our part. And um, I don't know, it took a little bit of getting used to of you know, being live and having an audience out there watching you, that was really, took a minute. <laughs> yeah, and then just talking for an hour when you're not used to it, that's an adjustment. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a big, um, a big change, but that's one of the things that um, I really appreciate about Marco and everybody else on staff that taught class with me or when I wasn't there is that, um, you know, they just, it's just about having a great conversation about something you love. And so if you can frame it that way, um, then other people, the people that are watching get excited because you love it and they know that you're excited about it. And so, um, you know, at first it was nerve wracking and a little, and a little scary, but it, it became pretty easy, pretty quick. Well, those are some big projects to tackle during a very hectic year. Um, like when was the last time you had even really updated any of that stuff? Was it out of necessity or was it just, uh, finally just do it? Well, part of it was out of necessity. Part of it, we hadn't updated a lot of those things in a very, very long time. Part of it was out of, I mean, like our point of sale system had stopped being supported and we knew we were going to have to make that change in a couple of years. And so, um, you know, at the beginning of everything shutting down, you know, we did have a lot of time, you know, where even though it was nerve wracking and crazy, a lot of the energy that we were spending was trying to figure out what do we do next? How do we adjust? How do we make these changes? And so, you know, with some key staff members that weren't as busy because we didn't have the doors open, you know, I was able to put them on projects that we wouldn't have had time to do otherwise. And so it was like, rather than just sit here and be upset that you know, the doors, people aren't coming in the door calling every second. Let's take this time and use it to get better at what we do and make the experience better for when we are open. And so that's one of the reasons why we prioritized it. And so even though at times it was difficult to work on that because we did have a lot going on, uh, depending on the day of the week, uh, it was still a priority because we knew it was going to make us better down the road. And we likely weren't going to have this opportunity again to you know, really put the mental energy behind those big changes. Um, so now that we are rolling into Delta season, apparently, <laughs> um, how are y'all feeling at the shop? What, I mean, just how are you feeling right now? Oh, uh, outside of frustration and uh, furious anger. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's so hard. Like it's, it's like the, the last year and a half has been a, just the opportunity to have difficult conversations and wrestle with different difficult concepts around staff safety and, and public safety and our role as a shop in the greater community. 
And, you know, and we've made decisions. Um, we've always tried to follow the science and we've always tried to make decisions that were in the best interest of everybody, not just ourselves. Um, but it is, it's becoming more challenging because of the, you know, frustration around masking that was there. I mean, you know, we, we held out until mid-June out of necessity for a few staff members and the fights that we got into about it were just awful. Um, and I made the decision then that, you know, once we went to not masking, uh, not requiring masks that we probably wouldn't ever go back to that just because unless it became mandated locally, because it's just, it's just too hard as a business owner, a few places that saying, this is what we require. Um, we have started, uh, most everybody on staff has gone back to masking while at work. We've got a, a couple people that don't want to do it. And I'm, I'm not at the point where I want to force them to yet, or not force is the wrong word, but just strongly suggest um, but it's, it's just, it's a challenge and it's, and it's one of those things where it's delayed our classes, which we were going to start, um, you know, and, but it's, once you go down a path, I mean, I'm, I'm at least thankful that we didn't start in-person classes sooner because backing off that at this point would be very difficult versus saying, Hey, we're going to postpone this longer. That's much easier for people to swallow and, um, you know, but we also I, credit to our community and people that come into our shop is I is there's a good portion of them at this point that are walking in the door wearing, even though it doesn't say that they have to, um, you know, because they just know that that's what's recommended and and is going to be what helps keep people safer and healthier. So. Yeah, it's so tough. It's like once that uh, top has been popped, there's no, there's no recorking it. <laughs> well, and it, and it, and it doesn't help that when the leader, when the leader of your state is adamantly against masking and against all sorts of uh, locally uh, decided public uh, health issues, in fact, banning those uh, and not allowing uh, local leaders to make important decisions in communities that are at high risk like our community is right now. And so, um, you know, that doesn't help at all. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, love, pers I love the idea of personal responsibility, um, but as someone in retail, it's, I don't wanna be the lone person on the island saying we're gonna be responsible and this is what we're gonna do without having the support of, you know, our government officials and, and other business leaders. It makes it really, really hard. I think that there still needs to be like a level of understanding that personal responsibility also means a responsibility to your community. <laughs> that is something that yeah. we haven't really seen a whole lot of in the past year and a half, but you know. Yeah, the, the, other, the other trend that I've noticed, which is a little bit uh, mystifying is I really thought that when people had a little more freedom and things were, I don't know, a little bit more back to normal that we would see I don't know, a little bit more, uh, um, I don't know, an easiness about things or maybe just uh, people not getting as upset about stuff, but it feels like people are on such a short fuse right now. Uh, the littlest thing will set them off. And so, you know, that's just another, it just adds another level of a complexity to trying to ask people to do the right thing or to, to do what you think is the right thing. Um, it's, it's definitely a tough situation right now.
Yeah. Well, especially when we have um, a shared collective grief and not everybody deals with grief in the same way. Um, So (laughs) who knows how that's going to manifest itself in certain people. So I'm going to change the topic entirely and we're just going to do (laughs) a speed round. Um, What is your current cheese crush? Ooh, I should have been prepared for this question and I don't know why, why I'm not. <laughs> uh, current cheese crush. Mm. What am I just really, really into? Um, I can't, it's so hard to choose. Why? <laughs> I know. And the then you said speed round and that makes it even <laughs> oh, worse. It's, it's not really a um, speed round. <laughs> uh, I would say my favorite bite that I've had in the last week was we got um, a couple cases of Moses sleeper in that was very ripe, um, had some orange modeling on the rind, just and and really vegetal tasting and just um, silky smooth and absolutely delicious. And um, when we got it in, it was like, man, we have got to get this out the door really fast. And sometimes that's not always, it's like, I mean, you can't just snap your fingers and sell all the cheese you want. And so uh, I was really happy this morning when I got to the shop and they were like, we need to order more of this Moses sleeper. It's all gone. And I'm like, yay. Uh, Cheese found a home in a perfect, absolute perfect condition. And I love that. Yeah. That's like the best. (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite cheese pairing? Ooh, favorite cheese pairing. Um, I had some, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had some Bay Blue with a green matcha white chocolate bar. That was insanely good. Um, the, you know, Bay Blue to me always has like notes of white chocolate in the finish. And so we decided to pair it up with this bar and the green tea matcha was really nice. It added uh, some herbal notes to the experience and um the white chocolate just brought out that note even more in the Bay blue. And then the sweetness of it, because white chocolate's sweeter, um, you know, just it, it works so well with blue cheese and kind of balancing that salty component. So that's been my favorite bite of late. That sounds delightful. I actually just had some Bay blue on a plate yesterday. Um, and I picked that because of its kind of carameliness that it has. And the guests that I took it to, loved it uh what is your most memorable cheese moment like the thing that sticks in your mind as being like pinnacle memorable cheese moment um it could be anything it doesn't even have to be about tasting cheese just a moment in cheese moment in cheese um this is just so hard um (laughs) Well, I would say, I would say there are a couple things. Um, one of my favorites was I was visiting, um, I had the privilege to visit uh, the guy that was producing our Parmigiano um, years ago. And we went out to his barn and he grabbed of hay off the ground and he like put it in my face. And he said, uh, I have amazing cows because I give them great food and they give me great milk. I have honest cows. That's what they were, honest cows. And I loved that. I loved cows that are honest. I thought that was cool. Um, 
And then I think um, all my all my truly best cheese moments are have been volunteering for uh, ACS's judging and competition committee. You are a part of. Um, that's just such a wonderful group of hardworking, dedicated, immensely intelligent individuals who sacrifice so much time and energy to be able to recognize and celebrate great American cheese producers. And so um, all my best cheese moments are come out of that. Uh, well, is there anything that we, that you feel like you need to tell people or anything we didn't touch on? Yeah, I, I think the only, the only thing that I would mention is um, the thing that got me through the last year and a half was having a great team of people to work with. And I know that, you know, that's, that team was cultivated over time. And, and part of the experience of working at the shop is that camaraderie that we share, but it, it really, I would have had a much more difficult time dealing with everything going on, not just the work, but just emotionally without the support of all of those fantastic folks. Uh, many who are still with us and some that have moved on to bigger and better things, but um, you know, that's, um, you know, we, I, while we all, we're all there for cheese and that is what we love at the end of the day, having that um, support system of uh, fellow cheesemongers there was, was key to getting through the last year and a half. Yeah. I think community is something I took from this last year and a half of just being one of the most key things in my life that I need to make sure that I'm continuing to, to foster. So, well, thank you very much, Rich. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for inviting me, Janae. Rich's leadership skills have always impressed me with his ability to see people where they are and allow them their individuality while also inspiring them to be better at everything that they do. I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to work side by side with him on the judging and competition committee over the last few years. Thank you, Rich, for your tireless efforts to raise the bar in what it means to be a cheese shop owner. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Jamie Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There you'll find the full video recordings of the conversations from Zoom, behind the scenes on live recordings, discount codes for merch at my online shop, and more fun stuff coming soon. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good courage.